everybody good morning good day and today we are going to be discussing about some of the topics which are related to history that is the history which was taking place before the christ that is for the birth of jesus christ technically so today we would like to discuss all these topics with our superstar guest who is well versed in geopolitics and many other stuffs so i would like to gladly welcome mr pranip kidnandi again to our podcast who has given all these blockbuster episodes which are related to geopolitics so mr pranip kidnandi i would like to welcome you thank you having me for here okay so mr pranip kidnandi so today i would like to speak some things which are out of the box mm-hmm. so mr kidnandi i had actually you know going through your podcast channel from few days so i just saw that you had crossed a milestone of 25 podcasts yes so really congratulations for that thank you very much so would you like to explain how was your journey from the uh, podcast number 1 to podcast number 25 actually to be precise there are around more than 30 podcasts there were around more than 30 podcasts what happened is that there were few censors regarding my podcast because it had some content which you no know, obliterated and offended few people and then they reported some things and all so which made me to shift from spotify podcasters to hub hopper that's a streaming service because of which i changed my streaming server yeah and the journey was quite very interesting i started it as a hobby i didn't expect it to get this much growth in this and all yeah it was very interesting journey Okay so would you like to make this podcasting journey as your permanent job or you just want to keep it as a hobby currently uh, no I, i'm not thinking to become a full time podcaster i'm thinking to keep it as just a hobby okay that's interesting man yeah. so last time we just were discussing about the cold war basically mm-hmm. so yes. i guess everyone just understood what happened in the world war 2 world war 1 and cold war mm-hmm. so it's a long talk after the britishers just ruled over india mm-hmm. so after the cold war it was the end of the geopolitical series actually exactly okay so let's go back to the far beginning of the history that is before the common era bce mm-hmm. so this time let's speak about a ruler who was coming from the western side who had the aim to rule on the india the present day india and he was almost successful and i guess it's currently a mystery that was he successful or not so currently i am talking about the ruler alexander so okay. would you like to elaborate that how alexander conquered all the areas which we get in the reference of our textbooks and what the tactics he used to use while during the war and all the other stuffs related to alexander mm-hmm. okay so people generally refer him as alexander the great but i would rather call him alexander the warmonger or alexander the obliterator of the humanity or some something like that okay so the way alexander has been portrayed all over the worldwide in portrayed in a such a way that he is as a great leader or something like that but to be honest he was a kind of warmonger leader of the greece empire he had this ruthless ambition to conquer the world and rule over it and the way he chose was the violence okay, so everywhere he went for this war campaigns and all he used to slaughter millions of people he used to kill innocent men women children he used to crucify to be precise he used to crucify all and adopt women and children as slaves so he was not a great leader but somehow he actually succeeded to conquer almost half of the world so 
I would like rather say that he was actually a great war tactic person because mm. what mm. actually I would agree upon that. yeah what actually war tactics Alexander used to use in his war right mm-hmm. I guess most of the military persons in the present time right even they use the war tactics which were used in the time of Alexander mm-hmm. so I guess in the war tactics when it comes to the war tactics right mm. Alexander was such a person who had made remarkable work in all these military expansions and all the stuffs yes so would i like to rather say that how did alexander you know conquer on egypt and babylon actually uh, and babylon was the home base of alexander babylon was the part of the greece from where he led the campaign to take over this middle eastern countries and part of this asia you know? okay yes. so i guess the most biggest milestone which mm. was you know place in alexander's life is conquering the persian empire because mm. persian empire was considered as the most strongest empire ever yes. built in the history yes. and alexander just conquered it by his small empire that was in that time right macedonian empire was not so huge so i guess his biggest milestone was to achieve the conquest of persian empire so mm. do you like to say that how he conquered persian empire and what he did later on with the persian citizens Okay, so when it comes to this invading of Persia or the Rostrian people, he went on raging this war and all. He used this tactic called Blitzkrieg. This is an ancient Mongol strategy, okay, which is being used and it is even battle tested and battle proven that it is one of the most effective way of doing war. Okay, what happens in this Blitzkrieg is that you concentrate all your firepower in one point or location and you breach through that wall and conquer the city like in kilometers. in miles in a day okay so that's the strategy he used and this was not easy for him he encountered a very heavy resistance and yeah eventually he succeeded and the things which he did for the natives of this person the native persians was very horrific he crucified millions of people he killed innocent men women children and all and he destroyed cities he destroyed uh, many monuments and all he was a barbarian Okay so that was a thing which happened in Persia mm. and I guess king who used to rule on Persia at that time was mm. the king Darius mm. so I guess I have heard that Darius was a person who used to make the alliance with India so what my question is that when Alexander destroyed Persia right do you think that defeating Persia might have affected India because I guess Persia and India had a really great sea route and trade routes within at that time So would you like to say that whether Persia's defeat with Alexander was affected by Indians or something See Persians and Indians have the same root Okay Persia which we refer as present day Iraq and Iran are actually essentially a part of our Indian subcontinent Okay so these have a same root they follow this religion called Zoroastrianism or present day Persian people Parsi so to say and this was the religion which was kind of similar to hinduism okay they have same similar beliefs in faiths and gods okay so defeat of persians was no in ancient time there were no countries there were kingdoms and it was like an alliance between these two kingdoms something like that so you just mentioned that persians used to you know follow the zoroastrian religion yes, yes. so would you like to just elaborate about the zoroastrian religion See this Zoroastrian religion was native for the Persian people it originated in Persia and I don't know much about in depth about this Zoroastrianism but 
what i know is that present day there are very few parsis very few people who follow the christian because of arabic and hunnic invasions because of turkic invasions and all and because of this arabic hunnic and turkic invasions these people who were a part of persian peninsula they actually migrated from there to india and now they have settled in kutch of gujarat and some parts of maharashtra and we can see they are very successful in their life Tata, Godrej, Hindra and all these people are not native for India but they came from very long distance and they settled in India because of this barbaric people who invaded Arabics, Hunniks and Turkics. Because of them, they have to flee their homeland and they have to come and settle here. Okay, one question, a common question. Okay, so live apart Alexander, okay, Mm. when Britishers initially came to India, right? So, Britishers didn't know Hindi. Mm. and we indians didn't know english mm. so what was the mean of communication between those two people like a uh, english person and the indian hindi is very actually hindi is very recent language actually exactly india is a very diverse country and we used to speak multiple languages okay first they came to bengal and i believe that they used human translators as a means of communications with chieftains of bengal like know. what kind of translators human translators they know multiple languages Okay, so would they just teach a person who is capable of both being English and Bengali or... Uh, yes, something, something like that, yes. Okay. Mm. And in this case, right, in Alexander's case, mm. so Alexander used to speak the native language Macedonian mm-hmm. and the Persian people used to speak their language Persian. Mm-hmm. So at that time, do you think that in that era, how do they speak? Like how would they communicate their messages? Would they also use the human translators? See, like we have translators today, there were human translators, means they were diplomats. In kingdoms, there will be diplomats and all, who know multiple languages. And they used them to convey their messages for other kingdoms and all. They were foreign diplomacy is very old thing, foreign affairs is very old thing, and which is being converted till now. Okay, so that was the case. Yes. So, let's come back to the story of Alexander's conquerence. Yes. And let's go to the main point, who defeated Alexander. Mm. So... Let's uh, talk about the great king Purushottam then. Mm. How was his childhood and how he went through and became a successful warrior and how did he defeated the person who was unable of defeating by any other kingdom, the Middle East and some parts of Africa even and Europe. So how did the great king Purushottam manage to defeat Alexander at the time of invasion of Alexander? So there is this you know build up of false narrative which is being brought up by Greeks that they call Purushottam as Porus, and in their text they mention that Porus is very great king with a great empire. He was very brave, and he had a big army and all, and he was very powerful. The Greek text mentioned Purushottam as King Porus, but the reality is very different. We in Indian texts we never mention Alexander at all. Okay, but we mention his successor that is Seleucus Nicator multiple times, but we never mention Alexander at all. Why is that so? Because the reality is that Purushottam was not a king, he was a chieftain. Okay. He was a chieftain of a town. Can you imagine being defeated by a chieftain of a very small town and Alexander has a legacy of destroying very big kingdoms and all and being destroyed by a very small chieftain? Isn't that very sad thing to happen for him? Because of that narrative, the Greek philosophers came up with a theory that Porus was very great, something like that. He was very great. He had elephants. He has very big army and all. 
because of which you know it was very brutal fight between alexander and porus in that alexander wins and his alexander's soldiers rebel against him because they were tired of fighting for so long and they wanted to go back to home that is the narrative of the greeks but the reality is that in that battle between Purushottam and Alexander, Alexanders get brutally, brutally defeated. Most of his army gets wiped out. His horse dies in that battle. He gets brutally injured in that battle because of which he has to withdraw from that position. And on his way back to the Babylon, he dies. So that is the thing which happened and even this battle happened near the banks of river in the Punjab okay it happened in that western front of the Punjab the river Jhelum yes the river Jhelum in the Saptasindhu region and we have a great university called Takshashila in that region if that such big battle would have happened near to that university we would have texts we would have inscriptions written on stone and something like that we had a battle with alexander and all and in that purushottam lost and alexander showed mercy for purushottam something like that. we never exactly. mention alexander at all in our texts so i don't think so that alexander was a great he was barbarian he enjoyed crucifying people killing innocent people and all and he got defeated by a very small chieftain and to cover this to hush this up they have made this own story of defeating King Porus, something like that. Okay, so that's the case, I guess, mm. because if Porus was actually a really great king, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. I guess there might have been some inscriptions of Porus and Alexander's mm. war. See, see, from the point of view of Bharatiyas, it was just a small street fight, exactly. not, a, not a big battle at all. It doesn't necessarily mean that a very big battle. It was just a small street fight, and why should we mention that street fight in our inscriptions? It was exactly. Like but for Greeks, right, yes, yes, this yes. was like a huge, massive mm-hmm. war. Mm-hmm. So that's why they just inscripted all these mm-hmm. things in their scripts. But in the actual stage, right, mm-hmm. Porus was, uh, you know, entertaining himself <laughs> yes, by, yes, you know, yes, defeating yes. Alexander. Yes, yes. And I guess there were many tactics which were used by Porus to yeah, defeat even Alexander. even he had elephants and all Porus. Uh, Purushottam had elephants and all. And these were very heavy on Alexander. Exactly. And I guess Alexander never ever faced war in which elephants were mm, used. Yes, yes. And uh, I guess that was the main backfall of Alexander. Mm. And that was the positive thing which Horus mm. had. Yes. And let's speak about Seleucus even because mm. I guess Seleucus was the yes, most... Yes, I am a great admirer of Seleucus. Okay. Yeah. Alexander was very ruthless, very barbarian. But Seleucus was not. He was an immediate successor of Alexander and he even he waged war against Bharata. But soon he realized that it's not my piece of cake. Exactly. So after that, he entered into this diplomatic relations with the Magadha Empire. Okay, so that was the case then. Yes. I guess Seleucus was the most ruthless army chief of Alexander. Mm. That's why I guess he was the immediate successor mm. of the mm. whole Macedonian yes, Empire. Yes, yes, yes. And Chandragupta Maurya had actually faced some difficulties to defeat Seleucus because Mm. Seleucus, I guess, I consider Seleucus even a great emperor than Alexander. Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess Chandragupta just faced some of the difficulties to defeat Seleucus Nekator. Tactics of the warfare changes once the emperor or once the chieftain of that army changes. Okay. Because I'll give an example. Alexander was the whole and sole commander-in-chief of his army and you know how are his tactics. Okay, immediately if you replace Alexander with someone else, like for example Seleucus, you don't know how his tactics are, how he will fight, how ruthless or how ambitious he is. You don't know anything about him. So it's hard to predict how the war will go. 
so because of that i think this chandragupta maurya might have faced some difficulties but it was not as much as effective to yeah and so. even uh, chandragupta maurya is considered as the greatest mm, and yes, the most yes. powerful emperor of india yes he was the one who united india yeah uh, akhanda bharata yes, yes. a dream of chanakya mm. it was completed by chandragupta maurya yes. yeah i guess that was the thing and we most of all the topics we just covered all the things and how alexander attacked Mm. the persian empire and how he just lost while he was you know, defeating india mm. yes and one more thing is that we indians and greeks have multiple things in common okay so there is this story of battle of 10 kings in which one king defeats all these 10 kings and he expels them out of bharata and they go settle into this western front that is present day europe and but they don't leave their roots behind they worship lords they worship multiple lords even in europe even in greek and roman texts we have these three gods that is brahma shiva and vishnu which are very similar to brahma vishnu and maheshwara in our religion and they have this zeus thor no actually thor is a person who was the god of vikings ah, not okay. greeks okay i am telling the similarities between these yeah. two cultures okay and these similarities have been wiped out by these christians and actually christians are very barbaric they used to destroy temples in europe as well but so that was the thing i guess and we just spoke a bit about the greek gods and all the things and greek culture yes okay so i guess that was the thing for the podcast i guess and we just basically uh, covered everything so would you like to give some conclusive statements about all these alexander versus porus scenarios yes the conclusion statement would be that alexander versus porus war is not a very big deal actually it has been hushed up by this greek philosophers and thing is very simple alexander lost in that and porus was porus was not very big king or something it was very ch- small chieftain at the outskirts of the western front of bharata yes it is it is a thing don't believe in everything you read exactly and i guess our indian textbooks you know yes, that's that's the another case for another episode i believe <laughs> exactly <laughs> okay so thank you very much for giving this informative podcast for our viewers mr pranit kitanti it was uh, very overwhelming to you know having you as a guest for our podcast so thank you very much thank you i'm i'm very glad to be here so that was a amazing podcast with mr pranit kitanti everyone so today we would uh, just rather uh, end this podcast really soon because all these things which were related to war are as minute as you have seen and like not so huge war considered as we read in our indian textbooks so thank you so much and jai shri ram